everyone, Alana here, and it's been a lot of fun making this podcast. I get to talk about what I love, meet some really cool people doing it, and I have total creative freedom. Are you interested in making your own podcast? Go for it, and go for it with Anchor. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more platforms. There's even creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And best of all, it's free. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. everyone, and welcome to Girl Presses Play, the movie podcast where we talk about films, what we think about them, and what makes them so damn great. I'm your host, Alana Rafferty. Get comfy, grab some popcorn, and get ready, because we're about to press play. And now for our feature presentation. Hello again, everyone. I hope you're all having a very good week and doing lots of film or TV watching. Or if you're just like doing face masks and reading books, whatever floats your boat. Either way, I'm happy to have you. Thanks again for listening. Today, the genre we are talking about is my favorite genre of all. It is the horror genre. Horror, horror, how do I love thee? And I especially wanted to do an episode on horror, not only because it's my favorite genre ever in the history of the universe, but especially right now during quarantine, I read this really eye-opening article on PCMag.com, and they did this poll where they compared streaming patterns from late January to early March, right before the big lockdown happened, and they compared that period of streaming to seven weeks while in the thick of quarantine between March 15th and May 2nd. And what they found in between those two time periods was that the amount of streaming for especially horror had gone down and the streaming for musicals and comedies and much more feel-good films had basically doubled, which I completely understand because, you know, sometimes we just need to check out and feel good. I love watching a movie musical as much as the next person. I love a good comedy as much as the next person. But I do think there's something to be said about the fact that horror, at least for me, one of the reasons I love it so much is it's such a physical experience when you're watching the film because you're very viscerally going through what the main character is going through. So there's almost this processing of one's own fears and releasing them, which I think is really important in general, always. But I think it's especially important now. So for today's episode, we are really, really lucky because we have Jose Cadena and Ivan Daniel Luna, the founders of Horror in Color, who are going to stop by and talk about some of their favorite movies to watch while in quarantine. And we're also going to be discussing what horror means to them right now. Yeah. 
All right. So we have two amazing guests today. They're the founders of Horror in Color, launched in 2019 as a platform to increase and celebrate the inclusion of women, people of color, LGBTQ people, and differently abled people in the horror world. Girl Press's Play is so happy to welcome Jose Cadena and Yvonne Daniel Luna to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you hey, so Elena, much. Thank you. Of course, I have to ask, like, how is your quarantine going? Are you guys doing good? Do you guys have all your food and streaming services and everything you need to quarantine happy and healthily? We do. We've been watching horror movies on every platform, pretty much. <laughs> we have our um, mm-hmm. Shutter, of course, and uh, we've been streaming a lot. There's a lot of horror goodies on Hulu and Netflix, too. Yeah, Hulu has some really surprising stuff. I signed up for Disney Plus and then got Hulu in like the bundle package. And I was really impressed with their like deep dive horror collection that you could get into. Yeah, especially now that they have American Horror Story too. They have like every season. Oh, I've been really liking 1984. I've been having a lot of fun with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we binge watched that right before we uh, interviewed Angelica Ross earlier. Oh, fun. Yeah, we were, we love that she was in it too, and she ended up being, well, <laughs> we don't, are you still working on 1984? Um, I'm like halfway through. I remember watching the um, panel that you did with ISA, and she does mention that, spoiler alert for 1984, that she is the final girl, so I do know that she's the final girl. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Which I actually liked, because, you know, halfway into episode two, I'm like, oh, I like her. I'm glad that she's a final girl. I'm glad I'm not, like, constantly worrying about her. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely a character that I'm glad was as textured as it was, too. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, tell us in your own words a little bit about Horror and Color. Why did you guys originally set out to do it, and how has it evolved over the last year? Well, it's still pretty new to us, um, but overall, Horror and Color, Mm -hmm. we we really felt like there was a lot of stories in horror that weren't being told, and it was the same people's stories that weren't being told. And so there was a lot that we wanted to see, and a lot that was there in horror, but it wasn't accessible for a lot of people. So that's what helped us choose the name in color was that it was people of color mostly whose stories weren't being told and we wanted to bring them out of the dark. And so we kind of balanced with diversity in the dark and horror in color. We kind of chose both names for it. Yeah, we. Uh, I remember it started on one particular phone call and we were just <laughs> tired of seeing the same thing again and again, tired of the repetition. We work within live events. Uh, That's what both of our backgrounds are in, within live events in horror. So like haunted houses and themed attractions. And we largely see a lot of themes that just come directly from film, from horror film. And so we constantly see the same kind of tropes and themes and characters and stories. And as fans, we were just tired and wanted something else so we wanted to celebrate and uplift marginalized voices and there were a lot once we started getting that list going of just like the list that you were saying right now of the voices that we aim to amplify um we didn't stop for a long time we're like oh wait but also people with disabilities but also women but also and so there's just there was there's a lot of stories to be told that 
we're yeah. excited to help celebrate. Absolutely. And that's so interesting to think of um, the work you do with interactive and live horror events. How has for you to the shift from doing things physically live to online live? So for example, your streaming watch party, how has the shift from totally in person to totally online through a screen been going? It's been so different, at least for me personally. Um, yeah. Just because when you're thinking of accessibility but also viability for like a live event and you think of you know charging and you think of of just more of the technical aspects in terms of the venue but with a digital event it kind of gives the opportunity to focus on what matters the most that people are having access to it and so it makes you kind of rethink a lot of the basic structure of of live events in the first place because if, if we're making this available to everyone, how can we, you know, really emphasize that? How can we make it easiest for everyone to access what, what kind of timing works for everybody? Because now it's not just people in an area, it's people on a global level that could technically join. So what time works and how do we make it accessible after mm-hmm. the live event as well? Yeah, that's so interesting. So has being in a pandemic, not just as I would say like content and event creators, but also to people that really love horror, how has your relationship with the horror genre changed since the start of the pandemic? I think since horror primarily was about the community, since horror is such a broad thing and everyone has their own fears. So you're not walking into an experience now you're at home where you feel safe most times um and there's not everyone around you with that Mm -hmm. kind of same passion so you're kind of experiencing it in it's a whole different thing now um now the communities you can't see them so you're not experiencing it with them you don't have that adrenaline rush kind of the same way that's an interesting Um, point so you're saying like you're now there's not other people to like feed off of their fear too. Yeah, because I, I think everyone experiences a different way of horror. Some people just like to see other people get scared or some people like to physically scare people too. That's so fascinating because I always thought of it as very much simplifying the experience of watching horror. But, you know, if you're by yourself or you're not with a big group of friends or in a movie theater, it's a little bit scarier to deal with the horror that you're going to experience by yourself. So it feels a little less intense. Yeah, I can definitely see both. I mean, just being in so many movie theaters that have been playing horror movies, I've seen that experience where it's terrifying because (laughs) no one's around you, but also people who scream and are super reactive Mm -hmm. are usually screaming off of the hype of their friends too. And that's interesting. Mm -hmm. At least from the New York perspective, it seems like quarantine is going to be going on a lot longer than expected. So this is really going to be like our new normal. Do you think that the nature of horror will kind of change in those ways that we talked about and they're going to kind of change the way that we want to experience it? Absolutely. Um, I I actually, I started off in the horror industry kind of, um, not really doing as much what like the behind the scenes stuff, but I was actually a monster. And so it's interesting to think about now how are all the monsters going to scare people? Because now you have to do it online. So I guess the bad <laughs> scare everyone, uh, I don't know, schedule phone calls with a monster or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
my gosh, that's so funny. Yeah, I guess I guess now we have to think about how can we scare if you're a monster or that's the part of horror that you like. Now how can you bring fear and horror into like from your house? I'm just seeing now like creature from the black lagoon with like a giant face mask on it. <laughs> yeah. And I can't get it out of my head. But no, that's a very, that's a good point. Not just like the people experiencing the scares, but the people that are trying to give the scares. Where do you go from here? I feel like also these days, the monster unseen is a lot more frightening to people than like the serial killer, like Kathy Bates and Misery or, you know, the Freddies and Jasons of the world. Nothing is as scary as the tiny little bacteria you may or may not know is in the room with you. Absolutely. And that brings up an excellent point that like now we're all living in a giant horror movie i mean (laughs) literally the pandemic is a horror we have paranoia now because we don't know where who might contract and i mean it's it's really capitalizing on a lot of fears too and then in the midst of all this we're in the middle of a social justice movement as well Mm -hmm. that's really powerful so death is really prominent everywhere within media So we're kind of thinking about these type of fears every single day. So it is like a big horror movie. (laughs) The pandemic really is going to change horror in that now it's not really about the monsters or things like that. I think a lot of horror will change into real life situations and even psychological trauma can be used as horror as well. So more like reflective than than fantastical yeah yeah it's interesting because um i actually recently watched the film you recommended host and first of all it was much scarier than i intended it to be and i was like oh this will just be like a fun little interesting thing and i think the scariest thing for me is everyone is already starting out alone they're not in like a big group in a haunted mansion or anything like that. So you already just feel so much more scared for them because there's no one they can turn to physically because they're all in their own apartments. Yeah, absolutely. And it's that's one element of horror that also is like more relatable now, like in Host, like in The Lodge, like in so many other like cabin fever type movies. That now everybody starts from the perspective of, oh, I've been quarantining. I am the main character, pretty much. Exactly. Do you, speaking of movies that we've been relating to a little bit more than usual, do you guys have any films that you've been really enjoying in quarantine, whether they're new horror films that you're discovering or old horror favorites that you've been revisiting? Absolutely. Uh, We actually have started a watch party series with our friends at Black Film Allegiance. Um, led by Jasmine Peck and Elon Joy. And they came to us with the idea of doing a Halloween kind of watch party series. So every Saturday at 6 o'clock, um, 6 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time, we celebrate a different film. We do a watch party on Twitter and we engage with the content. Um, and each horror film is a film that features people of color um, behind the camera and in front of the camera as well. So we have a whole list of really awesome films and they range from old films to brand new ones like uh, Jairo Bustamante's La Llorona and Blood Quantum from director Jeff Barnaby, Night of the Living Dead, 
So we really are kind of trying to be versatile with our titles as well. And we will have some guests. We've had a couple of guests already. We have four more films coming up, which we're really excited about. A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night oh, on October 3rd. Yes, and um, Asita Lopez's uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid. And on October 17th, we're going to be watching La Llorona with a virtual panel with LA Times critic uh, Carlos Aguilar and uh, director Jairo Bustamante, Mm -hmm. which is really fun. And we're also going to be talking to director Xavier Bergen on October 24th for Horror Noir which is going to be exciting. that's a great one as well like I was looking at the list earlier and I love just the variety of films it's not just scary horror there's for lack of a better phrase artsy horror like ganja and Hess, and there's comedies like what we do in the shadow I love just how many different films are being considered horror within the watch party yeah absolutely it's such a it's interesting that a horror is such a broad term I think when a lot of people discuss it within niche genre that it's just so much bigger it's grown so much bigger the more kind of money that it makes the more money people put into it so now we get to explore a lot more like what we do in the shadows mm-hmm. it's, it's been really fun to see horror boom recently how have the first couple of screenings been going have you found any fan responses or feedback or anything about the streaming party that kind of surprised you i think that Possibly the most surprising thing is just that a film has new life every time that it's watched and every year that it's watched too. So older films like Ganja and Hess, where I would have noticed different things if I would have seen it maybe in like 2014, that now everything's just reframed in a different social context. So there's not really, you can't really wear out a movie when you have, uh, when you have such a different time period that you're seeing it in. So it's interesting that when everyone revisits a film together, there's there's always different kind of discourse to be had around it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Um, I felt that way when my boyfriend and I rewatched. It was his first time, I should say, but I had rewatched Candyman after a decade of not seeing it and especially seeing it now, not only within the pandemic, but with all the social justice movements that are going on. It just has such a different tone and then even watching the way they talk about it on horror noir especially as a white cisgender female filmmaker I'm like oh I didn't think about it that way so I think that's a very good point that you can't really stop watching a film with different eyes absolutely yeah it it changes everything to to just know what you know now know what the what's within public consciousness a year from now is probably gonna reframe even these films that we're talking about now it's it's exciting though it's an exciting conversation from my experience starting out in horror um i always heard that it was like a community for misfits and i think seeing that now i kind of started to realize that the misfits a lot of us were the people of color and people who were kind of like pushed out of horror people who were like pushed in the dark interesting and so I think I did start to realize that that's what was missing from horror. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it's interesting that because I feel like that kind of brings me to the next question I had about how since we have all this new time on our hands, um, people are starting to explore different films that they wouldn't have seen 
in normal times, whatever normal times may be for you. So they're starting to explore films made by BIPOC filmmakers, women and female identifying filmmakers, filmmakers in the LGBTQ community. For horror specifically, do you guys have any films that are great examples of intersectionality either in front of or behind the camera? Yeah, um, well, actually, we were just, we had just mentioned American Horror Story 1984, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Ryan Murphy has a foundation, I believe it's called the Half Foundation or Half and Half. And he makes sure that there is both behind the camera and in front of the camera representation and intersectionality in that case. I think even with the inclusion of Angelica Ross, I mean, with that interview that we did, where we did a live discussion with her, she did hint at having a role in behind the scenes production in some way. She did mm -hmm. hint at being involved with American Horror Story season 10 and American Horror Stories as well, which is like an anthology series, it seems. So especially that brand, just in terms of talking about visibility of those type of creators mm -hmm. as well. I think everything from Monkey Paw Productions, really. <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. And that's exciting that Angelica Ross is directing because maybe as a former actor myself, I always love when actors go behind the scenes. So I'm really looking forward to she could film someone reading a newspaper for two hours and I think it'll be great. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I agree about Monkey Paw too, what they're doing with Lovecraft mm -hmm. Country right now. I mean, Matthew Cherry said it best on Twitter. He said that Lovecraft Country does more in one episode than a lot of shows do with an entire yeah, season. Yeah, that's very, very true. I'm also really looking forward to, unfortunately, I read the news that it's getting pushed another year, but um, the remake of Candyman from Naya DaCosta, which is also from Monkey Pot. Oh, I understand why they're moving it, but I want it to come so badly. <laughs> I know. That's what's been hard about this whole thing. I... Horror movies are so fun to watch in a movie theater, too. Mm -hmm. They're like one of the few films that, you know, even if it's not necessarily a blockbuster, that specifically are super enjoyable as a community event, like in a theater. Mm -hmm. Such a shame, but also, I mean, I, I get it. But missing Candyman is so bad. Uh, I know. But you know what? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. I'm sure people are literally going to be like lining up around the block to see the film because they've been waiting for it for so long. That's true. Yeah. it's um, And she released that little teaser as well that's like... Um, oh, that was so good. Yeah, it was with the with like shadows and everything. Mm -hmm. I, I loved mm -hmm. it. And so even if we have to watch from home, <laughs> there's so much <laughs> that's coming out. I'm really looking forward to Antebellum. Oh, yeah, yeah, that looks really, really great. And also Hulu has the series Monsterland coming out, which looks really cool. Oh yeah, there's there's quite a bit. So. Scream five. That's I'm really <laughs> excited for Scream Five. We've seen yep. already now two Mexican actresses join the cast. Yeah, so that's been exciting. Awesome. And the original cast return too, but yeah. <laughs> it's cool to see them all side by side. So it's mm -hmm. that's nice to see. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it before, but where do you guys see horror moving in the next five years in a hopefully post-pandemic world, knocking on wood? <laughs> what do you think? I mean, I'm really hoping that more people see horror because it's kind of becoming a trend, I think. It's kind of becoming more trendy now. 
than it was back then. I think mm-hmm. back then you were seen as a weirdo if you liked horror. And now I think, um, I guess just since it's gotten more recognition, um, I'm hoping that more people start to recognize horror too, like awards. Yeah, I mean, um, even even uh, Jordan Peele's Oscar win, that did make a stride and um, Shape of Water wasn't, wasn't traditionally horror, <laughs> but the fact that Guillermo del Toro's work is so prolifically horror-infused mm-hmm. and everything he puts his hand in is... It feels like horror, um, romantic horror, uh-huh. even if it's not. <laughs> um, that that made a huge stride, too, to people just taking horror seriously. And I think that... I mean, I hope that what we aim for, which is just more marginalized voices being amplified, is what we'll see in horror, you know, five years out. Uh, especially mm-hmm. a more just rich, more dynamic landscape. So that way, um, so that way, Jordan Peele doesn't have to be doing well. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, largely because I hope that the money shifts behind people of color and behind women and behind people with disabilities and behind queer people, LGBTQ plus um, communities as well. Just because that seems to be the hardest thing is getting the approval from people with access and privilege mm-hmm. and, and money. Mm-hmm. And so to be going from, oh, I, I'd like money, please, to be going to, oh, I, I make the decision. This is where we're putting the money. I want to see the money shift. And that's what I would like in five years. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Where can people follow you on social media? Uh, do you have some upcoming events or horror and color projects that you're excited about that you would like to tell the Girl Presses Play audience about? Well, since doing the watch party, we partnered with Shudder. So they are offering a 14-day free trial Ooh. using the promo code ScareScreen. Yeah, so people Ooh. can get an extended 14-day free trial by uh, using that promo code on Shudder.com. And uh, it's double the extension of what the usual trial period is. So that's exciting so that you can join us for our Scare Screen Watch Party. But all of our social media, we use the handle uh, Horror in Color. And uh, our website, horrorincolor.com, is where we release news. And we post our events there as well. You can subscribe and we'll post all our virtual events and other goodness as well. Yeah, we're preparing for um, Halloween events. I mean, we have our Scare Screen Watch Party series every Saturday night up until October 24th. And uh, we'll be adding new guests and announcing new guests on top of the ones that we already announced so far. So stay tuned for that. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. And I will see you guys at the next Scare Screen Watch Party. Thank you so much. We're excited to have been on here. Thank you. And that is our show for today. Thank you so much to Jose and Ivan for stopping by the show. Be sure to join them for their live Scare Screen Watch Party on Twitter on October 3rd, 6 p.m. Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Watch Party series is a collaboration between Horror and Color and the Black Film Allegiance to celebrate the Halloween season from the comfort of your home. Be sure to use their promo code for a 14-day free trial of Shudder.com, which will be in the description below. And you can also watch their Diversity in Horror panel with American Horror Story 1984's Angelica Ross, 
filmmaker Britt Banks, author Tanana Reeve Dew, and Black Film Allegiance's Jasmine Peck. All those links will be included in the description below as well. For more information, you can visit horrorincolor.com, as well as follow them at Horror in Color on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. What are some of your favorite horror movies to watch during the pandemic? Are you revisiting any of them? Are you trying out new ones? Let us know. We always love to hear from our fans. There is danger everywhere. There is evil. Evil everywhere. Turn around. Look behind you. There is horror. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to check back every Tuesday for new episodes and be sure to check us out on our Patreon page where you can support the show and get some really cool exclusive stuff for doing it. A very special thanks to our Patreon supporters, John F., Fariolo Fencing, LLC, and Helen Rafferty. For news on upcoming episodes, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Girl Presses Play. The show is written, produced, and hosted by Alana Rafferty. Intro music is composed by Asha Iwanowitz, and our logo design is by Mark Sauve. Thanks again. See you next time. Girl presses play.